Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the MMA Torch Livecast Thursday Conversation. It is Thursday, July 31st, 2014. I am MMA Torch editor Jamie Pennick, joined as always by MMA Torch senior columnist Sean Ennis. Sean, how are you doing tonight? I am fantastic. We're going to see uh, Anderson Silva fight Nick Diaz, so, you know, the world is a, the world is a good place. That that is that that's actually happening. That is a reality. That is something that has been signed, sealed, and on January 31st it will be hopefully delivered. Yes, hopefully. We, I, I guess that's true. We should. This is the this is MMA after all. <laughs> We've got a lot to get to this week. Uh, in a short amount of time, we're just going an hour this week. Uh, had some schedule issues push us back a little bit, but we are here to talk UFC on Fox 12, Anderson Silva, Nick Diaz, uh, the possibility of Donald Cerrone against Eddie and a whole bunch of other stuff this week. Our show, as with every week, is brought to you by Audible, a leading provider of spoken audio, information, and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book now when you sign up for a free trial at audibletrial.com slash MMATorch. Uh, Sean, we are in the midst of a rare three-week break between UFC events. The WSOF is running next Saturday night, but right now there are two weekends in a row with no UFC events. That is, I I think we found the Loch Ness Monster for MMA. Yeah, pretty much. I'm I'm feeling a little empty almost. And it's, it's odd because we've complained so many times, rightfully so, about the frequency of events and how many events that there are, and yet when we're presented with a three-week break, it seems like too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. It should feel like too much. You know, you should miss it. It, it, it goes yeah. away, and you should miss it and want to come back before it comes back. Don't come back before I miss you, you know? <laughs> that's the whole thing. I want to want to see fights. And I think what has helped the UFC in that feeling right now is three stellar events in a row. Oh, I mean, man, they, July was great. July was really, really good. UFC Fight Night 45 in Atlantic City was fantastic. UFC Fight Night 46 from Ireland had just a massive um, crowd reaction that really elevated what would have just been another Fight Night card to something kind of a little bit special. And then yeah. Saturday, Saturday night on Fox, even though it wasn't, it's not going to be one of the... Uh, you know, top-rated events that have that have hit network television, the UFC put on another really, really good main card with the top three fights delivering as well or better than we could have hoped. Yeah, definitely. The main card especially was really good. Um, it really, the whole thing was solid. Uh, you know, you had um, uh, Jorge Masvidal having, having a solid performance. Patrick Cummins just ragged on Kyle Kingsbury and 
destroying him. Um, and then the, the main card, you know, Dennis Bermudez was fantastic. Anthony Johnson was incredibly violent. And then uh, Robbie Lawler and Matt Brown unthinkably going five rounds. It was pretty, uh, pretty great. Let's talk about the main event here. Robbie Lawler earning his rematch with Johnny Hendricks either later this year or first thing in 2015. Beats Matt Brown in what I felt was kind of... It, it was a similar performance to what he did with Johnny Hendricks, except without the threat of takedowns as much. Because yeah. Robbie Lawler... He's he's a bit of a slow starter. He started off better in the first round. Essentially, just handed Matt Brown the second. Like he just he just decided, okay, I'm going to take this round off. And then he turned on the heat in the third and fourth. Nearly stopped Matt Brown a few times with body strikes and just really crisp flurries. And essentially, I think this fight went about as most expected uh, without a finish because. I mean, we, we knew coming in, Robbie Lawler was going to have the precision attacks. He was going to have a better striking game overall. But Matt Brown was going to be throwing whatever he could at Robbie Lawler until he hit him. And when he did, it was going to hurt. That happened. Yeah. That happened throughout this fight. That's how this fight went down. Matt Brown is just a lot tougher uh, than pretty much anyone in the division. I mean, it's... It seems damn near impossible to stop Matt Brown with strikes. Yeah, it really was. You know, he was in there for, I mean, for five rounds against Robbie Lawler, and not a lot of people can do that. With, with Robbie Lawler, uh, you know, was, and he was on his game. Um, he, he looked good. He was accurate. He was, he was crisp. Uh, he threw a lot of volume, um, which he also did against Johnny Hendricks. But, man, Matt Brown, he, was, he had power till the fifth round, you know, and I'm, this was the first time he had gone five rounds, wasn't it? Yeah. First yeah, time he's been in a five-round anyway. fight. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Eric Silva wasn't five rounds, was it? Oh, so you know it, what? It would have gone to five. It, it, it had the chance to go to five, but he stopped it yeah. at two. Yeah. yeah, but he'd never been past three anyway. Yes. Yeah, so I, I was pretty impressed with that. You know, he he did not wilt. He he was strong the whole time, especially in that fifth round. He came out like he was uh, he was looking to win the fight, and that was really impressive. And he continued to be dangerous the whole time, which is also impressive. You know, I I thought in that first minute or two, um, it looked to me like Robbie Lawler was was just going to cruise, and then uh, Matt Brown kind of got his attention uh, with that big shot, and um, and I said, wow, well, we got a fight on our hands right now. So that, and it, it was it was never uh, yeah it was it was really Really interesting fight, or a good fight and an interesting fight, too, because Matt Brown, you know, every time Matt Brown has fought for the past however long, seven fights, uh, we've said, well, I guess Matt Brown is better than we thought. Well, I don't think at this point we we figured, um, you know, we, like you said, this went about as we figured it was going to go. So maybe Matt Brown isn't better than we thought because we knew he was about this good. But, man, I think we we saw that he is he belongs in there with, uh, you know, with the top of the division. I think the thing with Matt Brown that has been most impressive is the fact that he's he has uh, patched up some of the holes that he had in his game, mainly the the takedown defense and the the submissions. Because I mean, almost a, a large chunk of his losses have come by submission. You know that that was one of his weaknesses for a long time, and he's turned it around to the fact to the point where it's really hard to get him into a bad position where you're going to have a chance yeah. to submit him anymore. And yep. a 
Matt Brown, who doesn't have that as a weakness, is always dangerous because he will take everything you throw at him, and he's coming back as hard as he possibly can. Yeah, and, and the dangerous thing about him, too, is that he doesn't need to be in a specific position to hurt you. He can hurt yep. you from, from pretty much anywhere. You know, I mean, I'm not comparing Matt Brown to John Jones, but it's, you know, that's what's so dangerous about John Jones, probably to, a, I mean, probably to an exponential degree from Matt Brown. But, you know, you saw him hurt Robbie Lawler with elbows. He hurt him with kicks. He hurt him with knees. He hurt him with punches. He was hitting him with, you know, from all angles. So, I mean, that's, that's something that makes him incredibly dangerous. Yeah, I mean, if a guy if a guy doesn't have to be a distance, doesn't have to have you in the clinch, he can hurt you wherever he is. That's that's a, that's a good tool to have in the toolbox. The thing that's going to keep him away from elite status is the fact that it's not refined enough to the point where he can dictate where his strikes are going. You know, you right. know what I mean by that. It's it's just yep. it, it's being delivered in wild fashion to the really just he's going to throw everything against the wall, hoping that a few of it lands. You know, that's, that's kind of Matt Brown's style, whereas we saw with Robbie Lawler, he was countering consistently. He was, he was waiting for Matt Brown to throw something, and he would hit him with a few strikes. And he was picking his spots, and that's one of the things that Robbie Lawler has done uh, that has, has meant so much to his resurgence, because he used to be a lot like what Matt Brown is now where he yeah. would just he would throw whatever at the wall and he would get himself in trouble because he'd leave himself open for things. He has uh adjusted his game to the point where he's a lot more patient and because of that it allows him to uh pick his opponents apart a lot more and he's a lot more effective in his striking than he's ever been. Like this is this is as good a Robbie Lawler as we have ever seen since he returned to the UFC. This is the most consistently good performance uh, that we've seen from Robbie Lawler, and he just he seems to be learning from some of the things that he did wrong. Like in the Johnny Hendricks fight, he kind of faded a little bit late, didn't have enough yep. uh, to to take that fight over. Whereas here, you know, he started strong enough in the first round to take that round. He came back strong in the third and fourth, and knew that he was up into the fifth, but he did not let up there. He did not let up in that fifth round, and uh, I think that added to the fight for me because both guys in the final frame were doing whatever they could to put a stamp on the fight. And even for Robbie Lawler, who was clearly ahead at that point, to really put everything into the cage until the final bell, it was encouraging to see. Yeah, and you know that was uh, that was something in corner told him between rounds was don't let this don't let this fifth round get away from you like we did against Hendricks. And, uh, I mean, honestly, if he hadn't come out ready to fight in that fifth round, he could have very well gotten himself knocked out because Matt Brown was ready to go. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, that's the thing about that fifth round, too. Brown likely broke his hand like a minute and a half, two minutes into that, and that really changed the trajectory, the trajectory of that round because yep. Brown from there – kind of stopped throwing with that right hand, you, could t- you, you can kind of pinpoint the moment that it happens because you can see the look on his face and you can see how he reacts to it, and from there Lawler took over. But still, the fact that Lawler was able to take advantage of that moment is, is still important in that uh, equation. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now we turn to Robbie Lawler 
Johnny Hendricks 2. That fight will happen either... Um, it, it's more, more than likely going to happen January 3rd at UFC 182. I think the way that things are playing out right now, that seems to be the event that it's going to land in. Honestly, I'm not sure what to think of this fight right now. Because Hendricks, with a torn bicep, still won the fight in March. He's coming back from the injury, though, and he's coming back off of a surgery that he, he might not be 100% in any way. And Lawler is shoring up some things that he did wrong in the first fight. I think it's going to be just as competitive as it was the first time around, and I have no idea who's going to win. Yeah, that's the kind of fight you you got to love. You know, I, I I agree with you. It's it's a tough fight to call, especially given how close the first one was. I I think you know obviously injuries are going to hamper anyone when they're fighting, but I, I don't think that that injury caused Johnny Hendricks to not be able to put away Robbie Lawler. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I think um, I, I don't think that fight would have gone terribly differently had uh, had Hendricks not been injured. Um, and I think given the fact that Robbie Lawler has stayed active and has looked so good in his last two fights and has that. You know, you, you don't want to say that he wasn't motivated in the first fight, but obviously, you know, he knew going into that fifth round that it was a close fight and the fifth round might have gotten it for him. Well, now he's had that, he's been that close without, yeah. you know, without picking up the belt. And, you know, you've got to think that he's going to go into that second fight with a different mindset now, having almost tasted uh, the, the title, um, and Hendricks might go in with a different mindset having, having won. So you never know all the intangibles that go into each different fight. You just never know what they're going to add up to. And I think that makes this fight really intriguing, you know, obviously on top of the fact that these two are so well matched. And that's, that's why I think it's, it's so interesting because I think they're both going to be better than they were in March. Yeah. Which, it, that's just, they were so good in March that, seeing an even better version of that fight with both guys fighting to the best of their abilities, it's kind of, it's a salivating prospect because yeah, it's, madness. it's, it's such a good matchup. It's such a good fight. And they're both such talented fighters with so many different weapons that even if the fight is almost identical to the first one, we're going to be in store for a, a fantastic matchup because the first fight was great. Yeah. I mean, so, top of my head, it's at least top two for fight of the year, if not in the if not in the lead right now. Um, so you know, another another one of those would be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I mean, and to go on a little bit of a tangent here, I mean, we're right now in the midst of an era in the UFC where the talent is better than it's ever been. Some yeah. of the fights are consistently better than anything you would have found six, seven years ago. But part of the burnout problem has been because there's been so much that isn't on that level in between. You know, we're we're seeing some great stuff in a lot of these main events, a lot of these co-main events, even some of the regular main cards or the, the prelim main event fights, you know. We're seeing a lot of really high level MMA and it's not capturing people in the same level it was every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in at US Border Patrol protecting our borders is more than a job it's a calling 
agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, in past years, in many respects, because of just the sheer amount of other stuff going on around it, it's hard for some of that to stand out, but at the same time, the ones that really stand out are really clear at this point, and and Hendricks Lawler 1 was one of them, Hendricks Lawler 2 is probably going to be another. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I would love to see what it looks like, and maybe I'll do this at some point, just to consolidate a few of these cards, and to see, you know, if you took out two cards a month, I mean, even that many, which would not be a ton at the end of the day, if you could just consolidate those fights and see what kind of crazy events you can come up with. Because, it, I mean, look at UFC 178. You cancel UFC 176, right? So you bolster a couple of cards around that with those fights. Now UFC 178, I mean, obviously there's a little bit of good fortune that has gone into this, not to um, bigfoot our subjects here, but uh, there's a little bit of, a little bit of, uh, of luck that's gone into it because you've got some, some, fight, some fighters that have fought relatively recently that are healthy that you can plug into this event. You know, you've got... Um, uh, who, who just fought this past Saturday? Bobby Green, Jorge Masvidal. You got Conor McGregor, who just fought recently. Daniel Cormier just fought recently. Um, you know, and these guys all kind of been been plugged into this card, which is just looking incredible so far, even without the prospect of uh, of Eddie Alvarez and uh, and Donald Cerrone, which is just uh, puts it over the top into complete insanity. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to shift right to that because I, yeah. I, I agree. We'll go back to UFC on Fox 12, but this card deserves uh, dis- plenty of discussion because you're right. Right now, this is as stacked as we've seen a UFC pay-per-view in a very, very, very long time. And yeah. if and if the Donald Cerrone Eddie Alvarez fight comes to fruition, right now that is reported as being targeted and. Currently, Alvarez is still a part of the Bellator roster, but I think it just makes sense to let him go at this point. It really yeah. makes sense to let him go because, well, it's possible either Michael Chandler or Will Brooks could beat Eddie Alvarez to send him into free agency off a loss. It's just as plausible that Eddie Alvarez beats either one of them and leaves with you know, another two straight wins the undisputed uh, Bellator lightweight championship, and it, it there is no upside to an Eddie Alvarez win in Bellator one more time. And yeah, under, and the, go ahead. Yeah, under the Bjorn Rebney regime, with them trying to make the Michael Chandler fight anyway, even though Chandler lost to Will Brooks. It just it set them up for a situation where it was only going to be negative for them. Here, with Scott yeah. Coker at the helm, they have a chance to say, okay, Eddie Alvarez has, has done his time. Eddie Alvarez should have been let go before by the last regime. 
And you know what? He he won his last fight. Let's just cut ties now, not deal with the Michael Chandler rematch when Will Brooks, Michael Chandler in in a rematch makes a lot more sense right now anyway. And let him go. Let him go to the UFC as he tried to do a, uh, almost two years ago now. And it, it just makes a ton of sense to let that happen. And then if Eddie Alvarez comes in against Donald Cerrone, I mean, are you kidding me? I like I, I would start I'm like shaking thinking about it right now. Just <laughs> the prospect of that happening on top of what what's already on this card, I can't even I can't even fathom these things. And I mean, it's and, one and of the insane right. things. The, the the main event isn't we lost the main event and we have an equal yes. main event. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. Like it, it was the, the, the sequence of events was uh, Gustafson goes down and was like, oh, man. And then, like, five seconds later, it's Cormier. And they're like, ooh, okay. <laughs> and it was like, you lose <laughs> nothing. How often does that ever happen? It doesn't happen. It doesn't. And, that, and then you have Dominic Cruz returning for the first time in just under three years by, like, four days. Yep. Mm-hmm. Against and Cassiano back from injury. Yeah. Cassiano yeah. coming back. Tim Kennedy, Yoel Romero in a fantastic middleweight fight. That oh is gosh. one of those sneaky under-the-radar fights that is so good from a matchmaking yeah. standpoint. Conor yeah. McGregor, Dustin Poirier is just unbelievably fantastic yeah. right now. Yeah. This card, it, this card mean, needs nothing else. This card needs even, nothing else. Even so the, the undercard right adding, now, even the undercard yeah. right now, I don't care for John Howard fights, but I'll watch him fight Brian Ebersol. <laughs> I don't care about Patrick Cote fights, but I'll watch him fight Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. and then John Tuck, Kevin Lee got added. That's a nice uh, lightweight fight between a couple of younger guys coming up in the division. I mean, they're identical records at 8-1. and one. Kevin Lee at 21 years old is, is a talented young young kid, and, and Tuck's uh, shown some promise in the division as well. And then, of course, like you mentioned, Bobby Green, uh, Jorge Masvidal, fresh off of wins at UFC on Fox 12, which we'll get back to here in just a minute. But this card, you have to imagine this is in response to how poorly UFC 174 did on pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no question. I mean, they're completely, at this point, UFC uh, UFC 177 is is an afterthought. You know, nobody nobody cares about it. it. It doesn't matter at all. You know, UFC 177 is going to be the next UFC 174. You know, well, and on, because you've got, honestly, like like you like you have mentioned, like you've mentioned before, if they cut a few of the events and consolidated some of these fights, so many more cards could look like UFC 178 than 177. Yes. Yes, yes. And, and that's the whole thing. I mean, even if you look at just August, right? If you had like, there's four events in August. If you cut that down to two, you know, you can move. Uh, Bader Roman St. Peru. You could move Tim Bush and Brad Tavares. You could move uh, what else? Uh, Robbie Peralta, Tiago Tiago Tavares, Uh, Fabricio Camoy, Gray Maynard, Ross Pearson, Abel Trujillo. Those are fine mid-card fights. Now, they're all in one fight card, and Bader Owen St. Peru is the the main event, but if you get those on an undercard of another another fight card, uh, you know, that's fantastic. Then you've got Bisting Lee. You've got Dong Hing Kim and Tyron Woodley. Um, You've got, what else do you have here? Uh, Nothing much else on that card. (laughs) <laughs> That's, it's the Macau card, <laughs> and then you've got uh, uh, the Henderson versus Dos Anjos card. That's a that's a good fight. Henderson uh, Ben Henderson, Rafael Dos Anjos. 
Francis Carmon and Tal's latest, uh, Damian Maya, Mike Pyle, Jordan Mee and Brandon Thatch, uh, Max Holloway Which, and Mirza um, Bechik. Just, just to halt you for a second, that card is fantastic for Fox Sports 1. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That, that is but a really good main card. Like, yeah. Uh, just a couple of those fights well, that you just, just mentioned are just so good that uh, that that August twenty third card is really really good, and it's gonna get it's a good card. It's gonna be sucked under the radar because it's the second of two events in a day when the in, UFC in day, yes. is asking hardcore to wake up at five thirty in the morning to yeah. watch the China card. Yeah, and here's the thing: if you if you cut UFC that Friday at forty eight, which is distinctly, and you cut forty seven, which is Bader St. Peru, and you add those fights to Henderson Dos Anjos. And you'll uh, see 177, or switch those fights around somehow. Add all those fights together, split them into two events. That's awesome. Those are two great events. I mean, already yep. the Fox Sports, Fox Sports One card is good, like you said, for a free card. Looks really good. You add some of those other fights, Bader St. Peru and Bisping Lee, and some of those other ones, the Dillashaw Burrell card. That's a solid card. Yep. Well, I mean, how much stronger would UFC 177 look if Henderson Dos Anjos was the co-main event? Exactly. Just. Just with those two fights right there, I mean, or or the third I mean, fight from the top because you have two title fights on that card. Yeah, but you got still. two title fights, right? Right. Well, hell, right. you, you, figure, throw, you, you, you could throw you, you could throw Damian Maya, Mike Pyle, or Jordan Meehan against Brandon Thatch onto that pay per view card, and it would be more enticing than it is right now. Yeah, or I would say you add uh, Ben Henderson and um, and Rafael uh, Dos Anjos. You add Michael Bisping and Kung Lee. Keep Danny Castillo and Tony Ferguson on there. That's a, that's a decent main card right there. Or move Castillo yep. Ferguson to the prelims, add Thatch and Meehan on there. That's a good main card. Doesn't only that main card, you know. And instead, we've got uh, Shannon Basil and Best Correa. Uh, I don't know how you say that. Last name. And then uh, <laughs> you know, I don't even know what else is going to be on. <laughs> I don't know what else is going to be on that main card. You know, Scott. One seventy-seven is an afterthought for a reason. One seventy-seven yeah, exactly. is an afterthought for a reason right now. Exactly. To sum it all up, yes, <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> let's but, get, I mean, let's get back. Like you said, it's like you said. If you if you look at these fights, if you look at the top of these cards, all the main cards of, of these uh, of these events, if you just had those and combine those into whole events, they have incredible depth. Incredible depth. But we've got, but it's it's spread out into so many events that nothing can stand out unless you get something like 178, which is incredible, and there's no way that they could put that on so often. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's why we probably won't see it again until December when UFC 181 right now is looking like it's it's probably going to be another one that's just massively stacked. I mean, already we've got yeah. Belfort, Chris Weidman, and then Anthony Pettis, Gilbert Melendez, and that's right there. You don't need any other fights on that card. I will pay you fifty five dollars. Like, please take my money. Take it right now. That's, that is exactly where we're at on that that fight card right now. Um, and and it's it's not because of Vitor Belfort, and I don't want to see you know roided up Belfort in there. But there's a massive chance that Belfort that that karma is coming to Vitor Belfort on December sixth. I mean, yeah. I think it's a very big chance for that, and I want to be, you know, paying attention as it happens, and then I'm going to pay for every Anthony Pettis fight because you don't know what you're going to get in an Anthony Pettis fight. Yep. 
Yep. All right. Especially, with, especially when you got to find Gilbert Lindas. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's just yeah. that's just ridiculous. Back to Saturday's UFC on Fox 12 card. We had a lot more than just that main event. Um, yes. Anthony Anthony Rumble Johnson. That, um, yeah, this is as big a resurgent story as we've seen in this sport. I mean, Rumble had a ton of talent at 170 pounds, but had an inability to make weight at 170 pounds. And it was clear for a long time that he was just, he was draining himself far too much, and weight-cutting issues just held him back, and even when he tried to move to middleweight, once again, weight-cutting issues held him back. He missed weight badly for his fight with Vitor Belfort, got choked out in the first round, and got kicked out of the UFC. From there, he started doing what he needed to do outside of the octagon, got another call back to to fight in the UFC at 205 pounds, and there was a lot of skepticism into his fight with Phil Davis. And he put that to rest with a brilliant performance against Phil Davis in his return in April. Now, this fight on Saturday night, Antonio Hogerio Nogueira, well, he hadn't fought in, in quite some time. He also hadn't been stopped since 2007, and his last fight was a win over Rashad Evans. Anthony Johnson beat him in 44 seconds. I, yeah, obliterated yes. him, mind you. Yes, this... Again, it's not that Noguera is a bad fighter or that the layoff, you know, had such an effect on him. The fact of the matter is, Anthony Rumble Johnson did what he wanted right from the outset and blasted him, got him to the cage, and beat the crap out of him with a huge <laughs> string of strikes. And I take this as more more of a sign of what Anthony Rumble Johnson is at 205 pounds than I do that it's a sign that Noguera is shot. Because, again, his last fight was a win over Rashad Evans. It's, yeah. Even if I mean, it was a dull fight, it was a win yeah. over Rashad Evans. This is not a bad yeah. fighter that Anthony Johnson just beat. Yeah. And, you know, we, we obviously don't want to pump up that fight too much with the over, over Evans, but as you said, it was a win. You know, it was still Rashad Evans and it was still a win. And Anthony Johnson, I, I'm, telling, I'm telling you right now, if I am in the top ten of the light heavyweight division, I am quaking in my freaking boots. Because yeah. Anthony Johnson is frightening. He's a frightening dude. I mean, he, he's fast and the power that he hits with is just unbelievable. I mean, he's lifting, he's lifted Noguero off the ground a couple of times with uppercuts. That yeah. last uppercut that, that got the knockout looked like something out of a Rocky movie when he was hitting those tomato cans on the way to the leg. I'm telling you right now, it was unbelievable. If I'm John Jones, I don't care who I am. I am watching that fight and saying, oh, boy, I don't know about this guy. Because if he gets a hold of you, you can forget about it. But plus, add, add to that the way he obliterated Phil Davis. I mean, yep. come on. Come on. Okay. Rashad Evans didn't do that to Phil Davis. And he's the only Here's- other guy that's beaten him. Yeah, here's where I'm at with with Johnson. I'm not convinced that he beats Jones, Gustafson, or Cormier. I'm not convinced that he he gets past either of those three. Honestly, I think he beats anyone else in the division right now. Uh, Yeah, I'm right there with you. Now, I will add to that. I'm not convinced that any of those three... Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. 
At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Beat him. <laughs> Either. Like, at this point, I want to see those fights because I'm intrigued as to what would happen. Because I don't think I don't think it's a walk for any of them, you know. I agree. I agree. I think Johnson presents power that uh, that Jones hasn't faced yet. At the same time, that that's where you're where you're dealing with the reach advantage that Jones has, and I, I think Jones is the one that might be untouchable for for Johnson. Uh, I would agree with you. I, I, I would agree with you. However. Jones has a tendency to fight the other guy's strengths. So I don't know whether he would... I, I, See, no, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off on that because he does that on purpose because he beats yeah. them where they're strong. I agree with you. I agree with you. That's, that's what I meant, is that he does it on purpose. So yeah. I think if he were to engage Anthony Johnson in the way that Johnson wants to be engaged, not keeping him at the end of his jab, but kind of getting a firefight with him, that would cause some trouble. Now, I don't know that he would try and do that against Anthony Johnson. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I would agree with you that John's wins. I think John, you know, John Jones beats everybody at this point. You know, I, I don't see anyone that's going to beat John Jones. Um, but I'll tell you, man, Gustafson, Cormier, and Johnson, those guys, uh, those guys give me pause. Uh, he, Jones definitely has a murderer's row ahead of him. I mean, he, yeah. this, and this, this is, I think, what makes John Jones special and what separates him from the pack because – I don't think there's a champion in the UFC in the last... I don't think there's a champion ever, that's fought ever. in the UFC ever that has fought yeah, the no. level of competition that John Jones has fought and beaten in the fashion yeah. that he has beaten them. I, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. George St. Pierre is probably the closest, but George St. Pierre didn't dispatch his opponents in the way that John Jones has. And, and I also don't think that he necessarily had the variety of stylistic matchups that uh, that Jones has faced either. I mean, yeah. he, he GSP fought a lot of guys who were really good in one area, and he was able to be better. Yeah. Jones has fought well, guys who are pretty damn well-rounded, and, and he's yeah. made them look silly. And that's, that's another difference is that, you know, we talked about how John Jones intentionally engages people where they want to be engaged. GSP did the opposite which is not a knock on GSP. That's what you want to do if you're a smart fighter. But, you know, he would say, where is this guy the weakest? That's what I'm going to do to him. I'm going to to take him where he's the weakest. Whereas John Jones says, you want to fight in the clinch? All right, let's go. (laughs) And then he beats you. You want to wrestle? Okay, I'm going to out-wrestle you. You know, and I think that's also what makes this fight with Cormier so interesting. Because Cormier has got that power, he's got that speed, and he's got that wrestling. So... Uh, you know, to see Jones engage with Cormier at his strength is going to be really interesting. Let's talk about Dennis, Dennis Bermudez here for a little bit. Uh, yes. 
Dennis Bermudez has now won seven straight fights in the UFC's featherweight division since a loss to Diego Brandao in the uh, finals of the Ultimate Fighter 14. Bermudez has been consistently good, and he's been increasingly more impressive. And what he did against Clay Guidon on Saturday night was just absolutely fantastic. I mean, he picked him apart on the feet in the first round, and then outworked him and transitioned to a beautiful rear naked, tro- rear naked choke and submitted Clay Guida. Clay Guida does not get submitted. He's been knocked out by, by Chad Mendez last year, but even, even a lesser Clay Guida has still been good enough to not get stopped the way that he did on Saturday night. I am extremely impressed by what by what Dennis Bermudez did at UFC on Fox 12. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I'm driving the Dennis Bermudez uh, hype train right now. You know, I, I know that, uh, you know, obviously he's got seven wins, and that's tough to do no matter who you're fighting. Um, you know, he hasn't fought a murderer's row, but Steven Tyler, Jimmy Henderson, and Clay Guida, that's three different fighters. Even Max Holloway, you throw Max Holloway in there, that's four tough fighters, you know, and, and four guys with different styles. I want to see Dennis Bermudez in there with a, with a Ricardo Lamas, um, I yep. want to see him in there with a Cub Swanson. You know, obviously Swanson's not going anywhere except for a title fight. Um, I want to see him in there with Jeremy Stevens, um, you know, Nick Lentz, any of those guys. I, I, that's, I want to see what Dennis Ramirez does against your top five, top eight competition um, because I think he's, he's earned it at this point. He looks spectacular. He looks spectacular. Since, he, since yep. that loss to Diego Brandau, he has just gone to another level, and it's been, it's been really fun to watch. I mean, that, that's the other thing. Is his 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 wins have gotten more impressive as he's gone on. You know, yeah. it's looked like he's gotten better and better with each fight against better and better competition, which is just uh, you know that's what you want to see out of these young fighters. Well, and and you take and you take what he's been doing, and you look at the rapid rise of Conor McGregor, and it's it's like, how in the hell are people rating Conor McGregor over <laughs> Dennis Bermudez right now? That is insanity. Yeah. That is insanity. Conor McGregor is good. Conor McGregor might be great. He yeah. has not fought the level of competition uh, consistently that Dennis Bermudez has, and I would argue that Dennis Bermudez has been more impressive in his best UFC wins than anything we've seen from Conor McGregor yet. Yeah, I would agree. I, the thing is, like you said, he may be great, but we at this point we know more about Bermudez than we do about McGregor. And Bermudez... It deserves a ranking over McGregor at this point. You know, I, let, let McGregor get past Dustin Poirier, and then uh, then come talk to me. Yeah, then then we'll talk. If if McGregor gets yeah. past Poirier, I will I will give him any prop that the UFC wants to bestow upon him because that'll be a damned impressive win. Yeah, yeah. Also on Fox on Saturday night, Bobby Green beat Josh Thompson in a split decision. It was a close fight. It was not a bad fight. It wasn't there wasn't a ton of action. There was a lot of uh a lot of missed strikes from both guys, but I thought Bobby Green overall did more. Um I honestly I had this fight scored thirty twenty seven for Green live because I just I didn't think that Thompson was landing much of what he was throwing. And I think there was an argument for both guys in each of the rounds. I think Bobby Green had a stronger one in at least two of them, and I have no problem with the split decision win. Yeah, I, I agree completely. You know, this is the, it's kind of the frustrating thing about Josh Thompson is 
he comes out there and and uh, destroys Nate Diaz, and then does this against Bobby Green and gets a split decision loss against Ben Henderson. You know, when you when you fight with that style of, you know, you try you try to throw with volume. You don't always necessarily connect. You're you're always, I don't know. It, he fights close fights. You know, he fights close fights. And the difference between him and Ben Henderson is that he's he's been losing them. I feel I like this is a really off night for Josh Thompson. I don't feel like it yeah. was a smart game plan. I don't feel like he was nearly as effective as he was against Diaz or Benson Henderson. I just I don't feel like he ever did anything to to really take control of the fight. Whereas I felt he did against Henderson, and obviously he did against Nate Diaz. So. This was a massive step back, and I really have to wonder, you know, he commented that he rushed back from an injury to take this fight. I, I have to wonder if that was uh, the right move on his part, and, and if he should have just, you know, held out till he was healthy, because at his age and after the, the loss to Henderson, I mean, he needed a big performance to keep himself anywhere near a title conversation. That's done. That's absolutely yeah. done now. Well, especially given the, the competition at 155 right now, there's there's too much talent um, to keep a guy around that has that's won two of his last three fights. Um, yeah. You know, regardless of who those fights were against, it's and it's a shame because Thompson, you know, he's been around for a long time and uh, he's a fun guy to watch. But you know, you got to win. At the end of the day, you got to win. Speaking of the lightweight division, uh, Jorge Masvidal, who will fight Bobby Green next at UFC 178, survived a nasty knockdown from Darren Cruikshank and came back to win that fight. That was a fun back-and-forth fight, and I kind of feel a little bit for Cruikshank because he came so close to a huge victory in that first round. Yeah, he really did. I don't know that I have ever seen someone go stiff and recover before they hit the ground. Right? <laughs> that's, 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 that was nuts. incredible. I've never seen that before. He actually, I thought he was out when, when he, because he went stiff. You know, the legs stiffened out, arms stiffened out, he was done. And then before yeah. he hit the ground, he's recovered. That doesn't make any sense. I've never seen it. Uh, also on the card, Patrick Cummins, essentially retired Kyle Kingsbury, who returned for the first time in almost uh, after almost two years out of the cage. Uh, Kingsbury just, he, he looked like it was just not his night from the outset. It was just not going well for him from the beginning. Cummins was very good with his wrestling and did a lot of damage on the ground. Actually scored a 30-24 from one of the judges, which means a 10-8 round at each of the three rounds. Um, yeah, how about that? You know, Cummins has, has, has looked solid in his last two fights after a short-notice loss to Daniel Cormier. And, I mean... You can't hold a loss to Daniel Cormier against anyone, especially on a week's notice. So maybe there is something there. He's got a very good wrestling base, and he's capable of doing a lot of damage and staying active on the ground. I'm intrigued to see him continue on in the light heavyweight division at least. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely something there. Um, what that something is, I think, remains to be seen. You know, like you said, uh, you kind of got to give him a, a mulligan against the uh, uh, against Daniel Cormier on, on short notice when he's not even in the UFC, you know, a few days before that fight. Um, but, you know, there's, at this point, there's plenty of fighters to go through to see what Patrick Cummins has, and I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch him. You know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him getting in there with the loser of uh, Ryan Bader over in St. Peru. There you go. 
there wasn't a ton else on the prelims. Tim Means defeated uh, Hernani uh, Perpetuo. Brian Ortega picked up a nice submission win over uh, Mike De La Torre. Tiago Trator beat Akbar, Akbar Ariola. Uh, by decision, Gilbert Burns defeated Andreas Stahl by decision. Noad Lahat defeated Steven Seiler by decision. The one fight that stood out to me on the prelims um, that I want to give some comment to is at, at the women's strawweight division. It actually was a catchweight because Juliana Lima uh, missed weight, but Joanna Yadreshik, uh defeated her by decision in what was a highly impressive striking performance. And I'm extremely intrigued by this women's strawweight division because of talent like Yadreshik and Claudia Gadelia and the rest of the fighters coming through on the Ultimate Fighter 20 because it is so much deeper than the women's bantamweight division and there is a ton of talent at 115 pounds. Yadreshik, with her Muay Thai background, she's a veteran of over 100 Muay Thai fights. Her striking was so crisp and on point and she just picked Lima apart for three rounds. She doesn't have a ton of power, but she's fun as hell to watch, and I'm very intrigued. I would love to see Yadreshik against uh, Claudia Adelia uh, sometime this fall as they're waiting for the first uh, strawweight title fight to be determined out of the Ultimate Fighter 20. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me any. I mean, uh, why not? You know, why not, why not make that the first title eliminator, for Pete's sake? You got... Uh, Two two uh, fighters that came in there were pretty impressive. Um, so let them fight each other, and then uh, whoever wins gets to take on the ultimate fighter winner. Why not? Yeah. Moving on from UFC on Fox 12, there was a lot of uh, news this week on future fights and some fights that have fallen apart as well. Uh, but I want to start with the big one, obviously. Uh, just last week, Nick Diaz was announced as signing on to a bout agreement. Uh, to return to the UFC, and obviously with that, the idea was that the Anderson Silva fight was coming. It made sense. It just seemed like the the only reason that he would come back at this point was to fight Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva was interested in that fight. It's official. It's happening at UFC 183, January 31st, in the middleweight division. Anderson Silva will fight Nick Diaz. I don't think I've ever been as excited for a likely pay-per-view headliner between two guys who have lost their last two fights, respectively. Yeah, I, I, this is a pretty unique situation. It, it, a non-title pay-per-view headliner, um, I don't think you can get much better than this here. I, and this this is, really, this is kind of the perfect fight for both of these guys. For Anderson it is. Silva, uh, it really is, because you've got Nick Diaz, who is tailor-made to get murdered by Anderson Silva, Right. I mean, yeah. he won't, yeah. he's going to get in your face. He's going to get in your face. He's not going to stop coming. And he is going to open himself up for counters all day long. And Anderson Silva, if he has still got the juice, if he's still got the mojo, he's going to end Nick Diaz. He's going to end him. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to learn about Anderson Silva in this fight. I think we're going to see what he's got left because, you know, he's, he's not going to um, – there's not going to be any flukes happening in this fight. You know, there's – uh, you're not going to have to deal with someone who wants to wrestle, and you know Nick, uh, Nick Diaz is not going to do that. He's going to stand in front of him and say, uh, "Come at me, bro." You know, so this is going to be this is going to be educational um, for Anderson Silva and for Nick Diaz. Quite honestly, I mean, the last time we saw him in there with someone. Uh, with- 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With, I mean, no one's getting this until the kind of striking but anything close to this would have been what, Paul Bailey? Yeah. Has been anyone since then? Uh, man, it, that's, I, I don't think there has been because he hasn't really faced a pure striker like that for so long. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's, yeah. he's faced so many guys who, who have striking games but are really, you know, more focused on their ground game. Uh, I mean, really, the... The only uh, analog here might be B.J. Penn, but even then, B.J. Penn is not anywhere near what Anderson Silva is going to bring on January 31st. Yeah, and it was also well to wait B.J. Penn, you know, well, yeah, in exactly. 2011. So, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know that, that Nick Diaz has ever fought anyone like, I mean, obviously, there's no one like Anderson Silva, so you can't say anyone's ever fought anyone like Anderson Silva. But... Um, you know, the last Even time he fought anyone with that kind of power, remotely close. Yeah, would have would have been um, would have been Paul Daly, uh, I think. And Paul Daly had him in trouble for a minute. You know, that was a, that was a great one round fight, and, uh, and Paul Daly had him in some trouble. But I tell you what, uh, if Nick Diaz, you know, Nick Diaz, a lot of people uh, rag on him for his volume punches, but Nick Diaz hits hard. He throws some hard yeah, punches in with that volume. So you know, I. It is not out of the realm of possibility. We've seen Anderson Silva get knocked out. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Nick Diaz can do that at 185. You know, and that's what makes this fight so intriguing because Nick Diaz is not going to stop throwing, and Anderson Silva, if he waits for a counter and he gets hit and and uh, and doesn't mean to, then he could be in trouble. I mean, I think anything could happen in this fight. The level of taunting in this fight could just oh reach gosh. critical mass. I mean, it's it might it might just be all taunting the first five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. I mean, they're they're both very much for for trying to feel out their opponents and figure out where to go from there. Anderson Silva yeah. typically does not get going in the first round. I mean, right. It's 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 so intriguing because there's so many things that could happen. Even though the most likely is Anderson Silva by murder death kill, it's still yes. it's still just massively intriguing. And honestly, I have to give. Nick Diaz, all the credit in the world for holding out until the Anderson Silva fight made sense and yes. getting paid by the UFC because it might be his final payday in MMA. I think it probably, I mean, it almost definitely is, you know. Yeah. He doesn't like to fight. So, you know, if he doesn't like to fight, he wants to fight for the big paydays. It ain't going to get much bigger than Anderson Silva. You know, he's... He may, if he beats Anderson Silva, he may get a title shot, and you know that's a payday in there. But 
other than that, I mean, it's, it's not going to get any better than this. All right, 2015 scenario. Robbie Lawler beats Johnny Hendricks on January 3rd. Nick mm-hmm. Diaz beats Anderson Silva on January 31st. Mm-hmm. July 2015, we get a Nick Diaz-Robbie Lawler rematch. How crazy would that be? What would that be, like, 15 years ago that fight happened? Holy smoke. It seems like it. It seems like it at this point. What was it, like 2005? Yeah, maybe something like that. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. It would would almost certainly set the record for most time in between the first and second fight between two fighters. And I'll tell you this. It would be damned anticipated. That would be so just unbelievably intriguing in 2015. Yeah, it would be great. And you think the UFC won't rush Nick Diaz into a title shot? (laughs) (laughs) Let history be your indicator. Dana already made it clear that that, he already made it clear if he beats Anderson Silva, that could absolutely happen. So. Yeah. Now, I think he was talking about a middleweight, but uh, (laughs) it would not surprise it would not surprise me if it was a welterweight either. It's not going to happen at middleweight. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All see, right. Yeah, 2004. April 2004 was the first fight. Yeah. Wow. Even, Jesus, it's been 10 years since that fight happened. <laughs> wow. How is that even possible at this point? I mean... I, I just don't even you know. Don't, you don't have a lot of guys in the UFC right now who have been fighting for 10 years. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's insanity. Uh, hey, let's talk about another <laughs> former Nick Diaz opponent, because Joe Riggs shot himself in the leg this week. Any that other happened. week, any other week, how big would this story be, just for the comedy potential? It's you know, unbelievably Joe... ridiculous. It was, it, was, it was ridiculous enough that Joe Riggs got signed by the UFC after... <laughs> Fightmaster and not fighting again in Bellator. That's his only Bellator fight, by the way. His only official Bellator fight was him winning Fightmaster, and then he gets signed by the UFC to fight Paulo Tiago, who should not even be in the UFC after losses in, four, in six of eight fights. He got signed to a new deal, and his opponent fell through, so the UFC said, oh, let's sign Joe Riggs back to the Octagon. And then Joe Riggs, while cleaning his gun this week, uh, shot himself in the hand and thigh. Uh, So he suffered some injuries that will keep him out of action for a while. And he's out of UFC Fight Night 51, which this is an interesting card because it's a Brazil event that's actually airing on UFC Fight Pass instead of Fox Sports 1. And I think the reason for that is that uh, Floyd Mayweather is fighting that night on pay-per-view. Uh, and not only that, but now there's an added uh, head-to-head here that night as World Series of Fighting's uh, 13th event will take place that night with Marlon Moraes defending the Bantamweight Championship against Josh Hill. Honestly, right now, of those three, I want to see Marlon Moraes fight, but maybe that's just me. Uh, this UFC Fight Night with 51 card, Paulo Tiago is apparently now fighting Sean Spencer. 
Bigfoot Silva, Andre Arlovsky headlines the night. Tebow against Piotr Holman is the co-main event, which lets you know the level of this fight card. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on that at all beyond laughing at the fact that Joe Riggs shot himself in the hand and leg and is out of that fight? I have two thoughts. <laughs> First, it's a good thing this card is, is on Fight Pass because it is incredibly weak. There is not, it's not beating out any other sporting event that night. Um, except for, you know, hardcore fight fans are, are watching that. That's about it. Uh, my second thought is, now, I, have, I don't have a gun, mind you, but <laughs> when you're cleaning a gun, aren't you supposed to unload it first? I would imagine so. I'm not, I'm not a gun owner myself, so <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm just saying. Wouldn't you unload the gun? <laughs> Come on, Joe Riggs. I love the guns are rigs. Okay. Moving to October, uh, some fights are coming together, and some other stuff is uh, is is panning out for this fall. Let's start in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, in Canada, as the main event for UFC Fight Night 54 for October 4th is set. Rory McDonald will take on Tarek Safadine in uh, Halifax that night. Sean. I'm, I'm hoping you can still cover that event because I need you that night. <laughs> Your thoughts on that fight? It's a good little fight. Nice little fight. Nothing wrong with that fight. Nice, nice, uh, it's a nice uh, free main event or cable main event. Nothing wrong with that. Good stuff. I like it. I think, I think the winner is going to get a title fight. I honestly do. You think so? You think they put Tyre Safadine in there? Uh, <laughs> you think, you think Safadine's going to beat McDonald? Well, no. But, uh, you know... <laughs> Well, that's why I said I think the winner is going to get a title fight. <laughs> because I I think McDonald will hang out until April or May of 2015 to fight the winner of uh, Hendricks Lawler. Yeah, that's probably that's probably right. That's probably right. Also in October, Yushin Okami will take the middleweight title in the WSOF from Dave Branch at WSOF mm-hmm. 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the fact UFC that you just said Dave Branch is a title holder made me think that he's going to lose it. So, <laughs> And then at UFC 179, uh, later in October, Jose Aldo, Chad Mendez, too, will headline a pay-per-view event from Brazil. Apparently, Glover Teixeira against Phil Davis is in the works, and that makes uh, that, that event makes the most sense to host that fight. So... Aldo Mendez to Teixeira Davis, very likely for pay-per-view in October. Kind of a solid one-two for a Brazil pay-per-view event right now. Honestly, I'm massively intrigued for Jose Aldo, Chad Mendez too, because of anyone in the featherweight division right now, Chad Mendez might be the guy I believe can take the title from Jose Aldo. Yeah, if there's anyone that can do it, I think it is Chad Mendez at this point. Um I mean, Cub Swanson is intriguing, but uh, I, I don't see him. He's certainly been hot lately and, and very impressive in his resurgence, but I don't see him beating either Mendes or Aldo right now. Yeah. Any thoughts on uh, Teixeira Davis and Teixeira being out of the running for a fight with Anthony Johnson? I, you know what? I would rather see Teixeira Johnson, and uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I was actually going to mention that. I would love to see Anthony Johnson in that fight instead of, Instead of Phil Davis, 
Um, but you know, it's it's a fight. It does make sense, you know, uh, to share Davis. But it's, it's a fine fight. There's nothing wrong with that fight. Um, and like you said, it's a good one too for that event. Um, I, I would guess that Anthony Johnson fights the winner of that fight. Um, I don't know, or or maybe I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I like Anthony Johnson versus the winner of that fight is what I like. Except he already fought Phil Davis and destroyed him. So I don't know. It's a, it's okay. it's kind of a weird place for Anthony Johnson right now because I, anyone else that he fights is really going to be a step back unless it's unless it's Robert Teixeira. You know, I can see him fighting the winner of, of Bader St. Brew, um, but even that I think is a step back for him. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I think it's it's there's a slight possibility the UFC could say, "Hey, Gustafson, you've got to fight again," and That's and they true. do that. Um, That's true. I mean, I mean, th- there is still something to sell there with the the Jones Gustafson fight, but honestly, he lost that first fight, and he's just coming off of a win over Jimmy Manoa. I I can see making him fight again. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the only thing I can see making him fight again. The only thing that's unfortunate is that the title fight was already scheduled. Yeah. You know, I, like if if, he, yeah. if they had said he's gonna have to fight again, and then you know that'll be the title eliminator. That'd be one thing, but uh, you know to have it scheduled and then not do it and then go back and have to fight again—that's unfortunate. Yeah. But Agreed. you know, it's life too. We've just got a couple of minutes left on the show here today, so uh, last thing I want to get to is the UFC is. They were in discussions earlier this spring uh, to, w- with an apparel line to bring a uniform for all of the fighters under UFC contract. Uh, it apparently fell through because we haven't heard anything for a while. And now they're in talks again with a premium apparel line uh, to make a uniform for all of the fighters they have under contract. And if it comes together, it seems Ronda Rousey will be at the forefront of any type of uh, campaign for this new apparel deal. Sean, any thoughts on uh, the UFC implementing an actual uniform for fighters and and what that might mean for sponsorships? We've got just over a minute left here. I guess that would be my only concern. I'd like to see more details on it. you know, I, you always want to see fighters be able to make a good livelihood from this, and uh, to take away one of their sources of income is um, would be unfortunate uh, to say the least. So I, I'll wait and see w- what what happens with it. Um, I mean, I like the idea of uniforms on the, on the face of itself, um, but uh, but you know, I want to see the fighters taken care of too. Agreed. Well, that is our show for this week. Once again, uh, our, our show is brought to you by Audible, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want, and you can get a free book now when you sign up for a free trial at audibletrial.com slash MMATorch. Uh, we're, we're in the midst of a, a little bit of a uh, lack of events right now, so we don't have a ton going on, uh, but we hope to be back next week. Uh, to talk whatever news breaks in the next week as we have some time off uh, from major UFC events. So once again, thank you for listening in. For Sean Ennis, this is Jamie Penick signing off.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.